0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk
1: 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coast Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. Hey, I want <clears throat> to. I have a great special guest today. We'll get to our special guest here in just a second. And as I promised yesterday, I want to share another lesson that we get from our Coastview guests. But I want to start with this Mark Twain once said this keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that, but they're really great, make you feel you too can become great. I mean, those are pretty wise words from, from Mark Twain. I, I, I just. I don't think he's, he could have said it any better. You know, when I look back on my career in media, I'm struck by the number of people who entered my life along the way who encouraged me, who pushed me to reach higher, who, uh, who really enabled me with more responsibility along the way. I had, a, I had a wonderful journey, but it was all about keep, they kept giving me bigger assignments that at times maybe I didn't think I could accomplish, but they knew I could. I was fortunate to have mentors like that in my life. Um, and they taught me well. They especially taught me to focus more on the people around me, this, to, to surround myself with, with, with successful people. Um, they often saw things in me I didn't see in myself. That's, that's the role of a great mentor. They were positive and constructive and encouraging and giving. The sky was the limit, they would say. They were great leaders. As Mark Twain said, the really great among them make you feel that you too can become great. Well, last week I shared uh, one of the emerging lessons we get from our Coast View uh, guests, one about not dwelling on the past, you, you know, using it as fuel for the future. This week I want to share with you another lesson about focusing on ins- the inspiration around you, something that I call inspiration fuel. My guests on Coast View have a lot of very positive qualities. Uh, th- these are the things that help make them successful. And so there's a lot to learn from them. But one of the things uh, that, that, you will, that you will see in them is a deep understanding of the role that positive thinking plays in their lives. They covet inspiration from people around them, people, positive people around whom who make them better people, who make them better leaders. And in turn, this is one of the things that help them become more successful people. They are keenly aware, incidentally, and they work harder than most to steer away from people who have a negative influence on them. They actively seek inspirational fuel and are committed to constantly improving because they, didn't, they did not just arrive. Like I said yesterday, they had crap jobs along the way, just like we all had. But they were driven by a desire to get better. They were driven by a desire to be better. Okay, here's, the, here's an important question. Are the people around you Inspiration Fuel, or are they what I call Delta Gumbo people? For anyone who's been to the Mississippi Delta, you already know this, but there's something really special about Delta Gumbo. It's a special kind of sticky mud. Someone once said that it unleashes a muddy fiasco. (laughs) Does that describe any of the people around you? A major lesson we get from the people who have been on COFU is that they're not only keenly aware about the impact People around them have on them, but they deeply understand and appreciate that as, as human beings, we need other people and we need we need other people on so many different levels. So they're consciously looking for inspiration fuel from others. Now, inspiration fuel can come from different sources at any time. When I was growing up, I, I remember early in my career, I'd look at people like Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and Norman Vincent Hill and Napoleon Hill and uh, Stephen. Covey and Dale Carnegie, you know the list really goes on and on, but I was always focused on finding and filling my mind with inspiration, that uh, as much inspiration as I could find. Today you actually have YouTube and podcasts, you have Coastview. View, uh, you have Coastview every morning here on Super Talk Gulf Coast, but there are so many different ways to find inf- inspiration fuel. I often listen, for example, to Joe Rogan in the mornings while I'm working out. But people you choose to to have around you at work or the people you choose to have around you when you're not working, these are the people who will ultimately have the greatest impact and influence on you, whether it's negative or positive. How much do you think about Inspiration Fuel? I want to close with this. This is a friend of mine, Susan Griggs, posted this. It's a quote from Rick Godwin, and here's what it says. One reason people resist change is because they focus on what what they had to give up instead of what they had to gain. What do you have to gain from focusing more on surrounding yourself with positive people or by focusing more on Inspiration Fuel? As we have learned well from my guests on Coast View, the sky really is the limit. And uh, I really appreciate them kind of sharing those lessons with us. So now on to our special guest today. He's definitely Inspiration Fuel. You're about to, you're about to see why. He believes more than anyone I know that the sky is the limit for Mississippi. He's actually an economic developer. He's the CEO of the Golden Triangle Development Link. That's the regional development organization for Mississippi's Golden Triangle, which is Starkville, West Point, and Columbus, Mississippi. He served in that capacity since 2003. But, but here's one of his many important philosophies in life. Live every day like your ass is on fire. Without any further ado, let me bring on my special guest. Joe Max Higgins. Hey, Joe Max, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. For the gotta... radio audience, he's literally holding up a sticker that says, live every second as if your ass is on fire. You really believe that, don't you, buddy?
2: Yeah, yeah, because if you don't, uh, the world will leave you pretty quick.
1: As things are moving pretty fast. Hey, man, you heard my comment about Delta Gumbo people. You know about Delta Gumbo, don't you?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah.
1: It's a, it's a special kind of mess, isn't it?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, we've, we've got our version here in the Golden Triangle, and a guy that used to work for me said, uh, he talked about the, the, the mud out there, and he said, uh, you know what they say? And I said, no, Charlie, what do they say? And he said, you stick with it, and it'll stick with you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I've seen it take down million-dollar tractors, and, uh, and if you let it build up on tires, it will literally break an axle. And uh, I think that's a r- sort of a good comparison to negative people in your lives and how they can bring you down. You don't tolerate negative people, do you?
2: No, we, we, uh, we try to stay focused. You know, we've, you know, we've got uh, the Play Like a Champion today's uh, 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 placards up in the office. Uh, my, my license plate on my vehicle says 2-E-Q-L-A-S-T. Uh, second equals last. Uh, kind of a take on the Ricky Bobby. If you ain't first, you're last. Yeah. Uh, uh, every deal we lose, we sit down. We spend more time on deals we lose and why why we lost them than probably we do on deals that we win and how we won them.
1: Well, I love the uh, I love the sixty minute piece on you because it it it, so it I think it captured sort of the essence of you. Like like you're you're, you're like this head coach and you, your your focus is on creating a culture of winning. We're going to come back to that in a second, but I want to begin with the end in mind. So. I want to show you uh, one of the pictures, actually two pictures. We'll start. We'll show. Go ahead and show the first one, Kyle. Now, this is a picture they showed. Oh, that's that. Show the other one, Kyle. First, let's show the other one first. Um, this, this I thought I like this broader view because w- what we're showing for our radio audience is a picture of uh, I think that's four or five uh, ATVs ru- running across a, an open field, essentially, and it's filled with representatives, economic development representatives, and executives from um, a Japanese a manufacturer, which we'll talk about here in just a second. And go back to the first one you showed. I love this picture because one of the ATVs is being driven by Governor uh, Bryant. Um, that's a really powerful picture. And it culminates, what I. Uh, it's a great story that you tell about how you came to be competitive in this arena from, from capturing the, the tail number off the jet to see who your competitors are going to be for the Yakutama plant to uh to to the even finding out what their shoe size was so you could get boots to them when they could do the site site evaluation but it really is a good case study about you and your team's approach to uh, economic development there in the Golden triangle isn't it
2: yeah and 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 you, you referenced case study uh, uh, probably for the viewers to know last week uh, we did it we Harvard Business School has about three case studies on us that they teach in in class. And last week, uh, Macaulay Whitaker and I uh, did it remotely this year. Every year we go up and teach a class at Harvard Business School and the Yokohama Project is one of the case studies that they talk about and and what we did and how we did it and the decisions we made. And then the students critique uh, some of the decisions. And uh, man, I tell you, it's it's eye opening for me because, you know, we got slammed last week over the fact that we spent $27,000 to have a Sikorsky 76 helicopter to fly the chairman around on his last visit. And, you know, they were talking about how many uh, uh, families that could feed and, and all that. And, you know, I, I I listened to them for a while. And then I explained to them that right now we're feeding about 725 families over that $27,000 that got spent.
1: No doubt about it. Hey, you on that 60-minute piece, they said that you actually had— more hard edge, business savvy than in Harvard MBA, but you know I didn't know about this case study. I didn't know about the time you spent there. It what a great opportunity to be surrounded by a lot of smart people, and to and to learn other possibilities, isn't it?
2: Yeah, we uh, we participate in their uh, Young American Leaders program. We speak to that and we speak to the. Uh, uh, to their uh, uh, business school uh, classes, the young American leaders—those uh, are about uh, seven or eight cities. I'm talking about like San Antonio and and, and, and bigger places, uh, 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 that that Chicago that are in that class. And we 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 go and teach, but we learn a lot from those teams.
1: I know you do. Hey, when we come back, we'll finish the thought about Harvard and the case studies, etc. I want to tell the, the Yucatama story because it's a terrific story. And then we're going to move back a little bit. I want to talk more about where did you, you came from Arkansas. What was it like growing up? Where, what, what was your inspiration fuel as you were growing up? But this is Joe Max Higgins and we'll be back after this break.
0: This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coast View. We have Joe Max Higgins with us. He's the CEO of uh, essentially the Golden Triangle Economic development efforts up in uh, northeast, northeast Mississippi for sure. Now, look, um, I want to talk about where you came from. We're going to finish the story about the Yokotama story. We're going to talk about Harvard. But before we do that, I want to read this again. And I want you to tell me what this means to you. It was that quote I read at the beginning of the, of the segment from Rick Godwin, and it said this. One reason people resist change is because they focus on what they have to give up instead of what they have to gain. You know that well, don't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, in a lot of cases, Ricky, it's, it's, it's what they don't see what they have to gain. They just don't. Uh, uh, when I came to Mississippi, it was kind of like, well, this is the way it is. And I said, well, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, you know, I tell people around the state, I said, you know, everybody knows about Starbucks because Mississippi State's there. But I said, you know, what was your thoughts of Columbus? And and nobody ever really thought of Columbus as being, a, you know, on the map for job creation and leading the way or any of that. And I said, you know, I, when I, I tell people when I got here they. They had railroads, they had the waterway, they had big land, had Mississippi State University uh, uh, right down the road. They had everything that if God could give it to you or man could build it, you were in about better shape than anywhere else I had ever been. But when I got here, I found out that there was a losing mentality. Uh, They couldn't see themselves winning. You know, Zig Ziglar always used to talk about him a while ago. He used to always say, You got to see yourself there. They couldn't see themselves there. They just did do it they you know and we started talking about hopes and dreams that we had for the for the region and what we could accomplish and and they they were they were you know they would have been happy with a single or a double they didn't realize that there was triples and, and, and grand slams in the world and uh you know i will tell you this and in a short period of time they went from no expectation uh to a sense of entitlement so they figured it out pretty quick uh, so <laughs> Now they're, now they're, what you going to do next? What's next? What's next? You haven't done anything in a while. You know, so, so uh, the, the, the pressure's gone up with those uh, expectations going up.
1: Well, we, we all know from, you know, success is the, this is the way it is. You're only as good as your last performance and yep. you can never, you can never stop grinding to, to get, to find the new level of success. But one of the, one of the things that was interesting about your story is that there, there was a mindset there, and it was, it was a well earned mindset because so much bad economic news had occurred, and there really had never been sort of this, um, uh, this figure like you and in your team. To come along and begin to align in your case, I think you have three different counties that you're having to do business in. You got boards of directors, excuse me, boards of supervisors and all these local municipalities. They had lowered the bar for so many years. And for you to suddenly come in there and say, I'm gonna raise the bar, it was not an easy conversation, was it?
2: Now, originally I started working just for Lyons County in Columbus. And and we started winning and uh within a a, a few years uh west point clay county actually came to us and said hey uh we'd like to join and uh they joined and right after they joined yokohama located and then starville came and said hey we want to be on the team too and it was kind of like the blues brothers you know putting the putting the band back together of what probably was there should have been done originally of the three counties putting them together. But we, we've not worked for all three counties the entire 18 years. Most of those, uh, at least most of those years, was just Lowndes County. And then in the last seven, eight years, all three counties.
1: It's a, it's a fascinating journey. I, I, I saw a speech that you gave where a senator came up to you and said, hey, look, you know, just act like you know what you're doing. You know, we, I know it's going to be tough. And then you looked at him and said, wait a minute, I'm, I'm working this deal with, it, with thousands of jobs. And uh, tell that story.
2: Now that was that was Senator Terry Brown. I mean, he, you know, he's recently pa- or not recently, but, but passed away since. And uh, a, a bigger-than-life character in physically and and in and, in emotion and spirit. And he came in one day wearing flip-flops and shorts. And he said, uh, "I know we're not going to get any any damn projects locating in here. Once that NAFTA got signed, all them jobs gone to Mexico." He said, "All I'm going to ask you to do, boys, act like you're trying." And I had a three-ring binder with a 1,200-job project that we were working I said, well, Terry, I think we can win. And he said, what? And I said, well, look at, what, look at this deal that I've just put together. And then I showed him two or three more. And he said, do you mean you think we can win? And I said, yes. He said, what do I need to do? <laughs> I mean, but, but he had already decided that, you know, when NAFTA got signed, you know, and I, and I said, it's, the, you know, the cut and sew, the widget, and squidget, the clip and snip stuff's gone. But, you know, that's not what we need to be looking at. We need to be looking at high cap investment, uh, uh, high paying jobs, uh, fewer jobs, and, 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 and really raise the bar, generate more taxes for the schools and the cities and counties, and more pay for the people. And, uh, and 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 it didn't take Terry long to get on board. Uh, probably Harry Sanders, the supervisor in Lowndes County, was the first one that that figured it out uh, and then shortly thereafter the other elected officials got on, got on board so um, You know, it it didn't take as long. I will tell you this. When I first got here, I went to a rotary club and I I gave visions and all this. And, you know, the old men were back there sleeping like they do, drooling. You know, some of them drooling. And, uh, you know, I let him try, let him try, let him try. The inciting incident, though, was when we got the first certified mega site. And uh, uh, we we certified it in the summer. Uh, In uh, October, we had the steel mill come in. And in January, uh, we had a deal. We had a deal. And uh, that probably changed everybody's thinking because we put together, we were the first certified mega site in TVAs, 80,000 square miles. We got a a tenant that is just blown, gotten so large. I mean, their direct investment's over $2 billion, not counting their campus partners. But that thing started making, I tell people that we started walking upright. Uh, uh, We started believing we could win. Uh, That happened right after Airbus or Eurocopters, they were well known. Up until that time, I think this region thought, well, we we, we make blue jeans, we make dimensional lumber for furniture, we make toilet seats, all things you need, but not any of those very sexy. And, uh, and then we started making helicopters, things that make that fly, that people fly in. And all of a sudden, we, we did. We started walking upright. We started feeling more self-confident. And then when the steel mill came, it was just kind of, you know, wow, we're on our way. And, and we're then just months of the steel mill coming, Peter Bill Kenworth's parent company, Car came in. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like that batter that goes at the plate that's on the street. The ball looks like a basketball and just knocking it out of the park, you know, at every, at every turn. So uh, it really changed this 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 area. It really did.
1: You had, uh, I mean, nearly $8 billion in investment, 15,000 jobs, uh, well over 100 economic development projects. The, the list goes on and on. Um. But the, I want to come back because Sarah Lee hog processing is a really interesting case study because it employed so many people, like I think over 2,000 jobs, and then um, and, and it and it created a moment where people could say, okay, what? How how is the job situ- market going to change dramatically? What you what you always understood was that manufacturing in America was not dead. It's just it was going to be different. High tech was going to be sort of the name of the game going forward. But Sarah Lee was really kind of a clearing call for you to go on a mission, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, and, and it was, and 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 you know during those times, I mean you had Sara Lee that closed, you had Artex that closed, you had B that closed, uh, you had Flexible Flyer that closed, you had a lot of closures in, in in those industries, and 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 and, I, and, and you, you talk about people that influenced you. Years ago, there was a mayor of Jackson, Tennessee. He was a lawyer, uh, and he was mayor of Jackson, Tennessee. And I had a consulting business, and I was calling on him and i was trying to trying to get some work obviously and i said mayor what can i do to help you be successful and he said joe what i need i need the either was lee or levi's a blue jean plant he said i need lee or levi whichever one it was he said i need them to close i said well mayor they work several hundred people i've never heard an elected official in my life talk about needing a plant to close and he said well you don't understand joe max he said uh, uh, we've got a new DIVX plant that's coming in, and they're gonna pay 3 or $4 more an hour so that those ladies can make rather than sewing blue jeans. DivX was DVD. It was a company that imprinted the, uh, uh, the, the labels and the movies on for Blockbuster and those kind of things. That's, that's how dated he was. Mm-hmm. And he said, but I need those ladies to lose their jobs at the blue jean plant, be retrained and go to work at the DivX plant making 3 4 or $5 more an hour. Because he said, you don't understand. I can't run my town the way I want to run it on minimum wage jobs.
1: Wow. The, the that's a very, that uh, is very very com- very compelling message, and uh, and certainly that's the big lesson that we learned studying the, what's happening in the Golden Triangle. But coming back to the Yokota- Yokohama Tire story, I can see why Harvard has this as kind of a a, a a case study, because in your case, you were a I don't know if I should say ruthless competitor, but you were you got the tail number off the jet you were tracking it to see who your competitors were you you studied i think in the story from 60 minutes you actually rode your motorcycle over to arkansas you discovered that you needed to build a substation electric substation so you could drive the price of power down why don't we do this we're coming to the end of the second segment i want to hear what you have to say and i don't want to cut you off But why don't we do this? We'll come back, and you can tell why this was a kind of a significant story. And it tells a lot about you as a competitor and and the fact that you're not taking any plays off the table and why that's important. But this is Joe Max Higgins. He's the CEO of the Golden Triangle Economic Development Effort, and we'll be back after this break.
0: live or on demand and watch episodes of coast view on your laptop desktop or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com and now it's coast view with ricky matthews brought to you by j allen toyota gulf coast business supply and agj systems and networks on supertalk 103.1 fm
1: Welcome back to Coast View. I have Joe Max Higgins, who's the economic development CEO for the Golden Triangle in Mississippi. And uh, when we went to break, I want to kind of get a sense of how doggedly determined this guy is to, 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 get, to get to win. To win. That's what he has to do. In the wake of the Sarah Lee uh, closing, you went on a mission with PACCAR. And that's the one where you got on your motorcycle and went over to Arkansas. But talk about what you did in that case.
2: Well, uh, uh, and again, the, the, the town that we were competing with was Jonesboro, Arkansas. Uh, that's where I went to school, to college, Arkansas State. That, I, was, I, I was the economic developer 15 minutes north of there uh, when I came to Mississippi. So I knew Jonesboro as a, as a product, but I wanted to see the site that they were looking at. But, but Ed McCallum, who was with the consulting firm on that project, uh, McCallum Sweeney, said, hey, you're competing very well, but you're a but you're million dollars a year behind on two things. Uh, electrical power cost and ad valorem taxes, and if you don't figure out a way to close the gap, I'm not sure you're gonna. I'm not sure you're gonna be able to be picked. And uh, what what Pat Carr was asking for is for 30 megawatts to be built in a substation dedicated for them, but they only wanted to contract initially for 15. So the electric cooperative had to put 30 in there, only get paid for 15. They had a facilities charge they were going to have to charge. And that was driving our cost up. So um, I went and looked at, and, and they were ready to go in Jonesboro. That was the purpose of the trip. The power was there. So I came back, and I asked the question to the supervisors and to our lawyers, could we, could the county contribute part of the cost of that substation so that the co Co-op didn't have to charge facilities charge. The answer was yes, yes, and yes. So Lowndes County contributed about half the cost, about $1.8 million is my memory, uh, towards the cost of that substation and drove the cost down. Then we looked at a much not used very often uh, I think it was used on it was used on Toyota, and it was used on uh, uh, Nissan, I think. A rolling 30-year and lieu 10 years is, was the normal deal. Uh, we uh, uh, asked to include that in the legislation, the major impact authority legislation. And those two things, we didn't get right to the million dollars, but those two things got us down to almost a push, and then we won the deal. Had we not, had we not if we'd just done what everybody normally does, is well, that's the electricity rate, and you've got to pay that, I think we would have lost the deal.
1: So you have to be innovative. You have to be creative. You have to be competitive. You have to always think in terms of competitive advantage. And in the case of Yokohama, the tire company that you guys were able to attract, uh, I love the picture of Governor Bryant, you know, r- you know, driving one of the ATVs in this open field. And the and is it true that you look for shoe sizes of the executives and the so the whole nine yards?
2: Yeah, uh, uh, that was that was near the end of the project, and it it had rained a lot, and and we we didn't know if they were going to get out on the site, and so we actually bought galoshes. Uh, they fit. Over, you know, they, they, those Japanese executives wearing three thirty five hundred dollar pair of shoes. And when we got there, before they got in the helicopter, uh, they put their galoshes on. So if they wanted to walk around the site, they wouldn't. They wouldn't ruin their shoes. But yeah, shoe sizes. Uh, we put Yokohama tires on every vehicle that they would see or touch or ride in. Uh, um, you know, just kind of really. Trying to uh, uh, put our best foot forward. We had a a tent set up on the site with uh, 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 heating in it with storyboards because it's hard to show a PowerPoint. So we had storyboards so that we could show the chairman uh, where the site was. We had some, uh, uh, we knew we had to connect with him emotionally uh to to win the project we knew we had to, we knew we had to make sure he saw himself being there so so what we did is I, as i told him i said sarah lee has closed and sarah lee was being demolished at the time uh looked like a tornado hit it but it was a demolition company doing it and i said sir four or five generations of this community have served and worked for sarah lee if you pick West Point, you can expect the same loyalty and four or five generations to work for you. You sir could be the phoenix coming up out of the ash for this community in this region, and and this guy man, and the Chairman Nagumo looked like he, he looked like he could be the the the, the head of the United Nations. I mean, gray hair, slightly over his ears, well dressed, well educated, and he looked at me and he said, "I want to see this Sarah Lee." So when we took off in the helicopter, we went uh, around, and, you know, I was in the cheap seat, so I was riding backwards, facing him, almost knee to knee, and we flew, we banked, and we flew around, uh, 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 Sarah Lee, a couple, two and a half times, and and he nodded to me, that it, and then we left to go to Mississippi State and land. That's when we won the project. Yeah. Now, he didn't tell me that. Nobody else told me that. But I'm telling you, you know, I'm 60 years old. I know people. I've been around. I've seen body language. That's when we won the project. He saw himself being the Phoenix coming up out of the ash. And he saw that being a location that he needed to be.
1: Hey, Joe Max, I remember in my career, uh, there was a video that we showed that was a, a group of semiconductor employees from America who went over to Japan. And they were walking, I think, in downtown Tokyo. And they came across a guy who was shining shoes. And one of the guys said, didn't you know in America that this is a second-class job? And the man looks at him and says, oh, no, no, no. Through an interpreter, he says that if the shoe's not shining, the leg doesn't feel good. The leg doesn't feel good. The body doesn't feel good. The body doesn't feel good. You can't think well in your mind. There's a direct relationship between shiny shoes and your ability to think. And I mean, it's just an amazingly like just cultural discovery moment for the people that were there. But there's a lot to that. And, and you so understanding culturally why that's an important conversation, the, the, the point of putting the galoshes on the shoes was more than just they were expensive shoes. That's just, it's important to them not to get their shoes muddy.
2: Yeah, and we had the, we had the hot little moist towels for them to uh, wipe their hands. We had hot green tea in the tent. You know, all things that we knew would show them, you know, that we cared about them and that they were welcome.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. Hey, so when you think about, okay, so let's shift gears for a minute. The sky's the limit for Mississippi. What holds us back? What hold, if you think about it? I mean, I know the delta, we got to figure that out. We we have to really as a as a set of communities across the state get our get our heads around the new economy and where it's going and how to attract a creative class, all of those things. But isn't the sky the limit for Mississippi? Yeah,
2: well, it can be, okay? There's no guarantee it can be. Uh, uh, the, the, the the sky can be the limit. Probably the, the greatest thing holding us back, quite frankly, is, uh, in my opinion, is uh, the stereotypes that the world puts on Mississippi. And, and any time we do something that reinforces those stereotypes, we don't take steps forward, we take steps backwards. Okay. Yeah. And and that's the biggest, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I've done some uh, uh, speeches where I told uh, people that uh, people expect the women to be barefoot and pregnant, the men to have no teeth and chewing tobacco. They expect that the white people are burning crosses in the black people's yards on Saturday night for fun. OK, yeah. and and you live here and I live here. And, and quite frankly, uh, there may be an extremely small percentage that might fit those stereotypes but most people you know don't and wouldn't do any of that and uh you know i can't name 10 of my best friends that chew tobacco okay so (laughs) so so that's that's what's holding us back uh uh, and then sometimes i think our inability to look forward and see what can happen if we'll work together and cooperate what can actually be accomplished and uh so so the the stereotypes, I think, are holding us back, and our lack of visioning is holding us from moving forward.
1: I think, I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying a few minutes ago, that there are some people who expect sort of immediate returns, and they don't realize, or maybe they do realize it, but don't want to accept the fact that oftentimes the economic development project, especially the kind of big projects you've been involved in, are you have to have the art of the long deal, and it takes a lot of patience. And you got to keep people aligned during this whole journey because you never know when you might have to make adjustments in the plan to make the, the, the you know, the, 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 uh, the, the overall plan more attractive to whoever it is you're trying to lure here. But it's, so that's one thing um, we're not focused enough, probably as a as a set of communities across the state on the, the maybe one, two or three or four important things that we can do right now that will make a difference. Your point about perception is definitely true. Uh, I had the opportunity to, to leave beyond beyond Mississippi. I saw those perceptions all the time. But here's the interesting thing. When people come here and they see it for themselves, they almost always conclude, this is not what I expected to see. The people here are so amazing. The people here aren't like that. The people here are smart. The people here care. They're empathetic. In fact, it's interesting. So isn't it interesting that the one thing that is our biggest detriment, the perception about us often is turned around, sort of like the yin-yang Chinese symbol often is turned around, it's our, our best quality, our people oh, isn't yeah. that interesting?
2: Oh yeah, if, if we can get you here and have an, a, an, an adequate amount of time to answer your questions about your project and your slide and all that and then show the communities, uh, we generally we'll, we'll make the finals You know, uh, we generally uh, 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 don't have a problem with that. It's the ones that cut us at the desktop that kills us.
1: Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. Hey, we're having a conversation with Joe Max Higgins. He's the CEO of the Golden Triangle uh, Economic Development Effort. He's widely known. He's been written about. He's been on 60 Minutes. He's had a lot of success up there. He has a lot to teach about passion. When we come back, we'll have the last segment with Joe Max and just kind of have a little bit of a light and fire round. We'll be back after this segment.
0: So listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: and gaming that goes on in between. Um, this, you know, What's your view of Coastal Mississippi in terms of the role we play to the total state?
2: Well, you know, I gave a speech to the Madison Business League a couple of years ago, and I identified the regions of the state that I think can consistently grow. Okay, unfortunately, everybody can't consistently grow. It's just not in the cards. Uh only about six regions that can. Uh, I told them in Madison, and I'll tell you and your and your listeners and viewers that that in my opinion. The, uh, uh, the six coast counties, that's the three that are on the water and the three that are north of them. I, I believe if you could ever put together a regional concept and, 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 and market that area together, all the attributes, all the good things, all the fun stuff uh, uh, together, Probably that's uh, that that would probably be the biggest economic development force that Mississippi would have in its arsenal, more than more than the Jackson metro area, um, more than us, uh, more than Tupelo, Oxford, or more than even the outskirts of Memphis in, in, in Marshall and DeSoto counties. Um, I really, 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 truly believe that uh, because I think some of the good sites are probably in the three northern counties. Uh, I think the people that would work in the facilities probably live in the three southern counties and and beyond. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm on record of saying that I think that, that that's probably the area that could 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 win. The biggest, the most consistently in our state, if a, cons- a, a concentrated effort and a plan were put in place, you're, you're doing, doing yeah. you're doing well right now, but but I think there's there's there, there's still exponentially more upside.
1: Yeah, I agree that that maybe a regional effort would be uh, a lot more collaboration around the big players might be something that could benefit us. But you you really focused on um, making your place, a better place. You talk about that all the time. You expect that of your people. And why does that drive you so hard?
2: Well, I mean, look, uh, there's I I go all over the country speaking. I mean, California, uh, Delaware, Pennsylvania, uh, Chicago, all over. And And I tell everybody, I said, you know, at the end of the day, nobody in the world really ever cares about your place. If you don't care about your place, nobody else is really going to care about it. And if you're going to live somewhere, if you're going to work somewhere, if you're going to raise a family somewhere, you you owe, you owe it to yourself to make it be the best place you can make it be. It might not be perfect, but you know, if you see a piece of trash in the parking lot, pick it up, throw it away. You know, little things. Um, I just, I just, I just think that if you, you know, if you're going to live somewhere, nobody wants to live in a cesspool or a septic tank. Uh, uh uh and everybody can't live in in utopia but man you know there you need to be in the middle of working towards utopia if you can
1: <laughs> well in mississippi to be successful you have to be a relentless um let me just say lobbyist you have to stay incredibly well connected i, I love the, in, the, in the 60 minute piece they said that you could uh, you could tr- you could twist an arm or kill you with kindness um, but you know, that's kind of true about you though. And it's important that you bring that, those skills to the table, isn't it?
2: Yeah. We, we, you know, look, we always, we always try to do it the easy way. The, hey, let me show you what can happen. Do it. If it doesn't, we're, yeah, we're not, we're not afraid to pull out the baseball bat and, and, uh, and whack a few heads if we need to.
1: <sighs> so how did you coin the praise, um, live every day? Like your ass is on fire.
2: Well, uh, actually, Gordon Flowers, which is an attorney, is, is an attorney. He's one of my past chairmen. Uh, went somewhere. I want to say New Orleans. He was at a conference or something, and he brought me the bumper sticker back, and he said, "I've never seen anything that he said I've never seen anything that embodies who I think you are and what makes you tick than this." and uh and and that's how he that's how he is my as my friend and my past chairman uh, uh as 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 he viewed me and i said you know i told some people they said you ought to put that on your signature and i said i think i will so
1: <laughs> so you grew up in arkansas you've been here for a number of years but where do where did your inspiration fuel come from
2: You know, I I grew up, my mother was a banker, Uh, my daddy was a salesman, which was also sheriff in our town uh, for for a while, And, and my stepfather was mayor of Perigold, where we lived, so I was around politics. Uh, and business and banking my whole life. Uh, you know, I, I, I played sports in high school. You know, I, 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 I did what I guess normal kids do. I went to Boys State. Uh, so uh, when I got out, I went to Arkansas State, and and I majored in Lambda Chi Alpha, okay? Uh, and Jonesboro was dry, and I made damn sure that it stayed dry. Everything we could find to drink, we did. and uh, And I flunked out of school. And my dad said, you know, son, college isn't for everybody. You need to get a job. And I went offshore and started working and uh, decided that wasn't really what I wanted to do. In a couple of years, went back, went to school, and got on with my career.
1: Well, that's good. And, you know, look, we'll visit again because I'm, uh, I'm still curious about where your inspirational fire comes from these days. But I think it's probably just the... Uh, sense of competitiveness and this dogged determination you have to improve the sense of place there in your in your Golden Triangle. But We're out of time for today, Joe Max. It's been a pleasure getting to know you better and I appreciate you taking the time to join us.
2: Thank you for inviting me.
1: This has been Joe Max Higgins who's the CEO of the, uh, the Golden Triangle Economic Development Area of the Starkville West Point Columbus area and uh, and a, now a good friend to Kofi. We'll have him back on in the future. Talk to you later. Have a great day. A Super Talk
0: Mississippi Media Production.